Welcome to You Gotta Have Faith. What is faith? In Hebrews 11th chapter, first verse, the Apostle Paul writes, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. One playwright writes, it's believing you see white when your eyes tell you black. It's a belief where no one else believes. Dr. King says, if you don't believe in something, you'll fall for anything. This is a podcast about faith. This is a Christian podcast where we share our faith and belief in God and in mankind, the goodness and kindness in mankind. In today's world, we see lots of ugliness based on racism, misogyny, and age-old grudges. But there is goodness in all of us. There is goodness in this world. But it begins with our belief. you got to have faith. It is... Um, July the 21st, I'm Reg Clay with Craig Dickerson. Hey, Craig what's Dickerson going on, Craig? here. Hey, we are songs Deb, Deb Carragher. And, yeah, uh, well, that's yeah. too bad because... Uh, well, you know, Deb, if you're listening, you know, uh, yeah. we uh, just take care of yourself. Uh, I think she's uh, taking care of her cat. Her cat, I think, uh, was falling ill. I think the cat was throwing up, I think. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. So, uh, Deb, you know, we have you in our thoughts and prayers. Not to throw that... <laughs> hey, yeah, thoughts and prayers, Deb. To <laughs> <laughs> throw that uh, phrase around yeah. as a derogatory, but, but we, we say it in... in uh, we, we really, really do mean it. So, in any case, we're going to tackle Mark, uh, sixth chapter, uh, and we'll go into... Uh, Verse 14 through 29. This is the, uh, the story of the, the death of John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. That's what I've got here. Yeah. And uh, our political consequences, I guess we could say, too. Yeah, yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. So uh, before we do that, I will, um, I will take us into prayer. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you so much for waking us up this wonderful Saturday morning. We love you so much. We thank you for your gift of Jesus Christ and your gift of your holy word so that we can read your word and follow your word and get understanding and knowledge through your word. And we pray that as we speak on this podcast and dive into your word, that we will be enriched and that those who live, listen to us will be enriched. And we pray that everything that we say and we do, not only on this podcast, but in our walks of life, people will see the love of God through us because of the love that we have for you. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I like the way you included everyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. yeah so nice. let's tackle Mark uh, chapter, uh, I'm sorry, Mark 6 chapter verse 14 through 29. And uh, I can go ahead and read it. Yeah, you, you got the nice version. I've got the, <laughs> I got the watered down version. Yeah, this is the NIV version. And this deals with uh, John the Baptist. <clears throat> Here it is. King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had been well known. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others say he is Elijah, and still others claimed he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to, because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. 
Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, Ask me anything you want, and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, Whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried in to the king with the request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a, pa on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but because his oath and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her, so he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing this, John's disciples came in, came, and took his body and laid it in a tomb. And that's it. That's Mark 6, verse 14 through 29. What a gruesome little tale. It is. And it's, it's a tale that I've heard before. I believe the girl's oh, name yeah. was Salome, I believe. Yeah, yeah. 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 I got the Oscar Wilde play going through my head. Right, <laughs> right, right yeah. exactly. Yeah. Gruesome political story. And, Almost uh, like a soap opera or a novella or something. Exactly, like that. Yeah. exactly. And it's sandwiched between Jesus's. Um, talking to the disciples, uh, giving him the instructions, and then we have this passage, and then immediately after that we have uh, something we've talked about beforehand. Uh, Jesus feeds the 5,000 with um, two fish and five loaves of bread, and then we have the, the boat incident mm -hmm. where he calms the waters and he walks on the water. Yeah, and then uh, I think uh, also prior to this, uh, Jesus sends out the disciples two by two. Right. He, uh, to, yeah, that's uh, right. You know, to say go out and cast out demons and cure people just like I've been trying to do you know it's mm -hmm. like now now we're uh, now we're going to uh, franchise here right right know? right exactly but this John the Baptist thing kind of like kind of really hits a low blow mm -hmm. to these folks yeah you know there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting stuff there's a lot of psychological stuff and there's a lot of um, political stuff a lot of political on. stuff because uh, Herod was king mm -hmm. king of this I guess Galilee, just this territory, right? Yeah, yeah. But he was not the, you know, ruler supreme. Was that Augustus Caesar? Rome, yeah, right. Yeah. So Herod was just, he was just a, you know, an oligarch mm -hmm. of sorts, right? Yeah, yeah. Sort so, of like a, you know, if you have a president, I guess he would be like a governor or a mayor or something like that. I guess that. so, something like that. Yeah. So you know, but you know, he was still kind of respected, feared, mm -hmm. and everybody was going to do what he told them to do. I think it's interesting that he he mm -hmm. liked John and still and still did this. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's <clears throat> I mean, we haven't gotten into um why he why John the Baptist was arrested to begin with. I guess he, you know, he's preaching all of these things and he's he's calling and that's the reason why I think you brought as we talked at breakfast time why you brought this verse to us. Uh there's something that you had dealt with in your um, your Bible study class, yeah. speaking truth to power. Speaking that, truth that was the launching power. off point. We uh, mm -hmm. we you know we always try to like pause it or full full before we start mm -hmm. getting into the verse. We a lot of times uh, whoever's leading the mm -hmm. the group will say something like, "Okay, let's." Uh, and being Episcopalians, we love asking questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that seems to be what everybody's good uh, at. Sure. There. Yeah, uh, but. Uh, so uh, the the question was, and it was kind of a roundtable, you mm -hmm. know, something to think about, ponder about, openly discuss, or just, you know, 
you know, or volunteer, mm-hmm. you know, some kind of personal thing. But the question was, when have you in your life experienced um, speaking truth to power? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> because Mark doesn't really say this, but when we tear apart the story and look at ourselves in each of these characters, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like a Herod. You know, I feel like a Herod who's, mm-hmm. you know, making these decisions. Yeah. You know, kind of making these gambles, mm-hmm. doing these things impulsively. Yeah. And at the same time, he's supposed to be, you know, a sober ruler. Right. You know, he's listening to all sides. He's <coughs> listening to John. He's listening and not listening to John. He's mm-hmm. listening to, you know, the daughter. And, yeah. You know, and, uh, and, and, you know, not listening to himself. Sure. <laughs> certainly not listening to God. Right. But everybody's wondering. It's just mm-hmm. like, you know, even with John dead, this this movement, this mm-hmm. Christian movement is still going on. Yes. Yeah. And it's not like it stopped. Right. It didn't stop just mm-hmm. because of this violent act. Yeah. I mean, it, it served absolutely no purpose. And it, it sounds like an impulsive decision. It's, it's a decision based on, excuse me, I'm going to edit that out desire (laughs) (laughs) it's based on desire basically basically a woman dances Mm -hmm. who's his daughter i mean that's kind of creepy all in itself and we've you know we've heard a little bit about uh stepdaughter daughter stepdaughter yeah Yeah. but uh certainly of the blood i mean this is herodias's daughter his wife's daughter um and based on a dance he becomes um i mean it doesn't say it in scripture but i think it's obvious he's aroused Mm -hmm. and everyone's aroused and um, and all of a sudden he's like, I'll do anything for you. I'll do anything. And, you know, I, you know, we ask ourselves, who, who do we see ourselves as? Do I, I, I don't know if I see myself as Herod, but I can clearly identify with making impulsive decisions based on desire, not knowing the consequences afterwards, um, whether it be gambling or drinking or. Well, after, I think after this, I mean, historically mm-hmm. speaking, uh, you know, the Herod's. Mm-hmm. The Herod clan or the Herod kingdom, mm-hmm. and Mark is kind of probably uh, <coughs> alluding to uh, later on. You know, yeah. Herod's son was put into exile. The whole family was kind of like, oh wow. It wasn't some kind of, uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a lasting kingdom. It was a fading sure kingdom. Yeah, and and marked a lot by you know, mm-hmm. and 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 Mark points to this. I think in the death of John the Baptist is like. Well, here's the reason why there was a lot of pride and jealousy mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. you know avarice and cruelty yes and death yes. and 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 compared this to the emerging kingdom the mm-hmm. the kingdom the, of Christ you know yeah. uh, where there is you know yeah where you know that's you know where it's it's an idea sure you know that's starting to have a foundation whereas Herod's kingdom was yeah. was moving into yeah. you know in you see a cross fading of a decline a cross fading you know yeah. and so we're we're you know comparing you know a kingdom about courageousness and sure. faithfulness yeah. even though it's a, it's a, in a minority and mm-hmm. people don't even understand it they see like well, is he Elijah a prophet or is it John actually risen from the i mean you know people mm-hmm. are kind of like where is this powerful force coming from mm-hmm. and mark of course, in his non-poetic way, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, just kind of says, like, here are the nuts and bolts. Now you 
add the poetry and the meaning sure. to it. You would, you know, you would ascribe and attach, mm-hmm. um, you know, the 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 lesson and 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 how you're gonna, you know, draw out some kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, inspiration from this. Right. Right. You know, I mean, and so my first instinct when asked the question, you know, where have you seen, you know, mm-hmm. show examples of speaking truth to power. Uh, I was thinking about, well, the kids coming out of the cave again. Sure. You know, I mean, I was kind of like, children did this. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they, I mean, if it was adults in there, I don't think they would have survived. I think all the fear, mm-hmm. you know, and the anxiety and, you know, and being there in the darkness for two weeks mm-hmm. would have been too much. Children have this kind of like amazing power and you know, and I think of that the kids down on the border, you know, how the even being separated from their families, these they've, they've sparked a nation, inter, all international consciousness about right and wrong, you know, mm-hmm. and about survival and facing fears, like unknowable fears for these kids. And, and yeah. you know, and I keep thinking, you know, Christ was always <coughs> saying, you know, look to the children. He told his apostles, be like a child. You know, that's that's where you're going to get your strength. Because look at these kids; mm-hmm. they are powerful. Yeah. In 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 their ability to just latch on to faith. Yeah. And and throw away anxiety and fear. Mm-hmm. And the innocence of them is is something that's just powerful to be inspired by, watch, and uh, emulate. Yeah. And so that's kind of that was my kind of like I'm just mm-hmm. a, I'm amazed that these children are are going through these terrible, mm-hmm. you know, crises, which is not, you know, mm-hmm. not of their making. They, you know, and, and, and yet it's it's being faced and yeah. it's being hopefully conquered. Yeah. You know. And I, I think about two things. I think about um, the kids at Majority Stoneman Douglas. I mean, they're not in the forefront of the news, but these were kids who dealt with a shooting, mm-hmm. a mass shooting at their school in Florida, uh, like a lot of other schools, but unlike the kids who sort of just went on with their lives, they made it into a movement. You know, they did the March for Our Lives. You know, Emma Gonzalez, yeah. the 17-year-old uh, kid. And we were talking about earlier how each of us approach our faith in a different way. Yeah. You know, you and I are pragmatists, are lo- so we'd like to think. <laughs> I am so yeah. non-impulsive, yeah. and I'm so like I'll, I'll walk around a subject and mm-hmm. before I decide anything. It's yeah. like ridiculous. But, you know. Somehow it kind of works for me. And Deb, if you're out there, mm-hmm. I've had to say a lot. What you've been preaching is like, put it in his hands. Put That's it right. in his hands. Yeah. And you know, and and let and let uh, and let God do the work. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I must say, it's kind of like I think today, and after mm-hmm. reading this passage, and after thinking about you know all mm-hmm. the themes that we wanted to present, I'm saying. I am ready to kind of kind of feel that a little bit, absolutely. You know, and yeah. and, and 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 be more childlike, yeah. Be trusting, yeah. You know, trust that, you know, that goodness. Even if you, you know, are questioning it in yourself, it's there working for you. Yeah. You know, just let 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 God work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, stop hanging on to your anxiety and mm-hmm. your fear. Yeah. Be like a kid if you need to. Yeah. You and, know? The, and, and, you know, the story is also speaks about resistance, resistance. And, you know, the price of resistance is um, it could be death. Well, it, it, you know, it is death. I mean, John the Baptist could have easily said, well, I can get killed if I 
you know, talk. I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> sitting there in that prison cell, you, it mm-hmm. could have happened at any time. Oh, sure. You know? And, you know, John could have said, well, maybe I shouldn't say anything about, you know, his marrying his brother's wife. Maybe I should just keep my mouth you shut. You can't but, take that back. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And I think about this past week. Um, uh, FBI agent Peter Strzok, S-T-R-Z-O-K, Strzok. I think I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it, but he had a very heated tête-à-tête um, um, with uh, members of Congress. There was a congressional hearing about um, the FBI and they're investigating what's happened between Russia and the United States. And basically, he took that hearing to blast Congress by saying, "Listen." You guys knows what's going on, but what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Well, ho- hopefully he won't get his head on a platter. <laughs> right, exactly. But, you know, I mean, that's kind of like mm-hmm. – that's that's very relevant to the story too because <laughs> it's talking about what prophetic faith yes. wants. Yes. Above all is to r- reveal the absurdity mm-hmm. of, you know, uh, of like this king. Yes. You know, I mean – John knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. Herod knows what's going on. Yeah, John knows that it's no, not. You're not supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to covet your brother's wife. Right. You know that. Right. I mean, right. I didn't make that up. Moses made that up, right? Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. But, and the, and Herod knows. He knows true enough mm-hmm. that you know to recognize his own. You know his own falseness. Mm-hmm. You know, and this isn't really so. So it makes it's not really a, so much a story about. Even though it is a very dramatic, gory tale, mm-hmm. it makes it not so much a story about life and death, but about uh, you know, or love or hate or whatever. Mm-hmm. Even though that's you know, that's that's what makes it intriguing, you know. But it's a it's about a political kind of confrontation between exactly that's prophecy exactly right. and pow- and political power, mm-hmm. and that struck thing. You know, that, I don't mm-hmm. know if any, you watched any of that, but it was uh, we, we, I think it was last week. It yeah. Was, but yeah, he was just like you guys are out of your mind. Yeah, you're out of and, your and, mind. And there are a lot of that's happening out, in, out you know, around. It's fascinating. Uh, I'll speak. We had a guest on the Yay uh, last night, uh, the woman Gwen Loeb, and she talked about her family being, you know, enriched in uh, just protesting and being, you know, uh, I guess what they call a conscientious dissenter and um, uh, just railing against a system that every now and then. I mean, you know, America's wonderful, but sometimes you know you can have whether it be on a local level or a state level or a federal level, you have laws or people who aren't doing what they should be doing. And you can either just relax and just, you know, say, well, I can't do anything. I'm just one citizen. Or you can get out in the street and you can protest. Well, you know, I mean, it's hard. Mm -hmm. You get out in the street and you protest and you may lose your job. Yep. Or you may lose your health benefits. Yep. Which is the – I mean, you may be out there protesting for a better job or better health, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of people mm-hmm. are not protesting yeah. and not getting on the street because it's like, hey, I got to work. Right. I don't have time. You know, mm-hmm. I, if I don't work, I'll lose my job and my health benefits. Or you can get locked you know, up. Or you can get locked up. Yeah. I think one of the challenges of, mm-hmm. of, the, of the thing you're talking about, yeah. I mean, the challenge is, mm-hmm. in this story anyway, mm-hmm. and I think what you're kind of inferring is like, how are we making our decisions? Mm-hmm. Are we making them through? Um, are, are we making choices, you know, based upon self-protection? Yep. Which, hey, who isn't? Right. Or are we part of? Are we thinking about our decisions as part of God's transformation of the world? Mm-hmm. Now, 
that may be like, damn, Craig, I don't have to think about that stuff. <laughs> right. God transforms the world. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to get my baby's diaper off right now or Ex- something. Exactly, you know? I yeah. I think about I'm that. Get to work on time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to hustle. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm in France and I like, right. have total health care and, you but, know, but, three, but, yeah. three, three months yeah. off, you know. But every now and then in our lives, we are faced with a big question. It may be as simple as voting. It may be as simple as helping someone. Like I think I told you the story. I was in my second year at NYU, and someone was getting mugged. Someone was getting, you know, uh, roughed around. I think it was an old guy. And in my youth, I basically just walked away because I didn't want to get involved. I was scared. But also, I was like, well, this, this isn't my problem. And it's a very easy thing to do. You know, you, you can either – you could take the easy way of handling, let's say, a situation or, or the hard way. And, and sometimes the hard decisions are the, are the most important decisions, and it can change other people's lives. Well, we and talked about mm-hmm. binary choices, and this is one of them. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you can you – can Think about, you know, approaching your life and, you know, as far as like social stability and Mm -hmm. equilibrium and what's the easiest path. Or you can go with the messy, chaotic thing about, uh, you know, well, I guess I have to make this decision based upon personal and social transformation. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's definitely not the easy road. Sure. But it's the muscle uh, that that's the muscle you flex in order to make change mm-hmm. possible i mean yeah you know and, and make any kind of change possible i mean we just um barack obama he um the former president he uh, talked during the it was the 100th anniversary of nelson mandela's birth oh yeah that was this week yeah. and mandela is a perfect example of someone who in south africa you know faced massive resistance and was in jail very much like john the baptist uh and he emerged and you know he he made an incredible change in his country yeah and he he was, yeah, he was yeah. an amazing guy. Yeah, and that was a spiritual quest. Yes, yes, it was. It was, and uh, and and we've got to look for those things. Mm-hmm. We've got to look for what I mean. You you know you're you're listening to this or you're or you're whatever you're listening to mm-hmm. or whatever you're believing. Mm-hmm. You know you're on a spiritual quest. Yep, and it's only going in one direction. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've been dealing with a lot of people, and they're you know with their Inevitable vicissitudes mm-hmm. lately, sure. You know, and uh, some, you know, we try to, and we we've all got them. You know, some some we try to avoid through mm-hmm. common sense. Some we deal with and have mm-hmm. to work through. And the the people that I've been working with, you know, the particular difficulties, they need help. Mm-hmm. They can't they can't address these things by yeah. themselves. Yeah. And so that's where. We come in mm-hmm. as as people, not only trying to, you know, participate and strengthen our spiritual quest, mm-hmm. but help to help others too. Because you know, there's only one one direction for these guys. There's only one direction for us, and it's finite. Yeah, and it inevitably leads to the end. The thing is, uh, the, the funny part of this story is that Herod, mm-hmm. you know. He's so paranoid after he kills John the Baptist. He yeah. thinks Jesus must be John resurrected. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> he's, he's like freaking out. You know? it, it, yeah, it, it's very much um, – there's a wonderful short story by Edgar Allan Poe, The Telltale Heart, and I'm sure you know it, where uh, basically a guy kills another guy, buries him under the floorboards in, in his bed. 
and a cop comes. So you know the story, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he hears, who knows if it's psychological or yeah. if it's uh, supernatural, he hears the heart. You know, basically it's his conscience saying, you know, screaming at him. Yeah. And I imagine Herod is going through the exact same thing where he knows, oh, my God, I know I did something wrong, and yeah. it's and, coming to bite me in the butt. it's coming to bite me in the butt. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's a gruesome story, too. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I, was hoping to, I was hoping to bring out some hope into this thing. <laughs> I'm trying to, anyway. <clears throat> you know, I'm mean, sitting here talking about, I, yeah. I think we all, when I proposed we talk about this, yeah. you know, this week, this particular story, I said, yeah. like, you know, we always look for, well, who are we in this story? You know, you know, look at it from a different point of view. Are you, mm-hmm. are you Herodias or what? Are you uh, Herod? You yeah. Know? And I told Debbie, I said, <coughs> I want to be the sexy dancer. <laughs> That's what I want to be. Mm-hmm. There, there are no consequences. It yeah. looks like in this story for her. Yeah. But the thing is, you know, when I think the point of it, yeah, one of the points of that mm-hmm. is, um, you know, we're all looking for a second chance mm-hmm. to hope. Yeah, I think that was—that's what Herod, mm-hmm. in his guilt, probably yeah. felt, or at least that kind of is what Mark is outlining, and uh, and and we hope that we're ready when that happens mm-hmm. to risk more of ourselves yes. to get into that messy, mm-hmm. chaotic part of okay, is this good enough for me, mm-hmm. or is this good enough for me spiritually and the world? Yeah. You know, and and when you add that, mm-hmm. and you add that, and, you know, it, you know, is it good enough for me and the world? Then, yeah. you know, you're you're really taking that risk. Yeah, you're asking for a second chance. You're asking for, I'm asking mm-hmm. for God to take some control over it. Yeah, I'm asking for relieve the anxiety and give me the fearlessness and mm-hmm. faith of a child. Yeah, you know, because these things are bigger than me. Yeah, these world problems, these social problems, mm-hmm. these these things that I know are the right thing to do. Yeah, which I can do the right thing for me all day long. Sure, or not. Yeah, but I make that choice. These mm-hmm. are bigger, bigger things, and that's where I feel like I am going to take a little page from Deb Carragher mm-hmm. and, and start to go like, okay, yeah, I'm going to pray for this stuff. Now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to pray for the strength. To kind yeah. of Get beyond my own, I mean, yeah, my we, own selfishness. Right. We, we, you know, we've talked about over uh, breakfast how Deb, you and I approach our faith. Yeah, yeah. I'm more of a, I'm more of a thinker. I think you're more of a doer. Uh, Deb, 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 and Deb is a feeler. I mean, Deb, Deb's you know, a believer. Yeah, Deb, Deb's an absolute, you know, uh, Bible thumping believer. No, uh, who no, is, who is, you know, um, her, you know, I, her I, emotional I, connection to her love of God is very, very strong. Um, it's. So and I think you need it. I mean, not that I poo-poo emotion, but I, I've learned now, especially you know from Deb and from you know people like that, that you need the emotional foundation to sort of push you along, especially when you have to do things you're not comfortable doing. I mean, when we ask people to, especially in this like in this Bible verse, to sometimes resist authority or sometimes you know do in the name of God what maybe your country or let's say your job or your family. I mean, we're not asking, you know, when we talk about resistance, it's not just against a government, but it could be against your family. You may have a family member who you know are doing is doing wrong or have thinks in a wrong way. Well, I've got a little story here that came along with it, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd like to read it if I could. Sure. So, again, um, 
taking this in a way just, you know, ten, going tangent just to what you were saying, Reg. Is sure. This is a, this, this little story about Oscar Schindler. And I, you know, well, you know, I just want to read this little thing. Mm-hmm. So Oscar Schindler was born as a Roman Catholic in Moravia, Austria-Hungary. And he's been described as an opportunistic crook, heavy drinker, womanizer, egotist, and a member of the Nazi party. Sound good so far? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, he's also been called a hero who saved the lives of many Jews during the Holocaust. I think, I think people know that too. Yep. Um, so anyway, after the invasion of Poland and Germany, Schindler opened a factory in Krakow, which made goods for the German army. Probably all saw the movie, or mm-hmm. maybe some Schindler people list. didn't even want to see the movie. But yeah. it was a, man, that movie is rocking. Ralph, Ralph Fiennes, I believe, that played. That movie um, was rocking. Yeah. Anyway, you yeah. should see it. Anyway. Yeah. So the factory employed hundreds of Jewish workers. As the war progressed, Schindler realized that the Nazis wanted to destroy the Jewish race. And Schindler said, no thinking person could fail to see what would happen. I was now resolved to do everything in my power to defeat the system. All Jews were forced into a labor camp, which was the last place for Jews to settle before being sent to death camps. Schindler saved his factory workers by making a list of their names and convincing the Nazis that these persons were needed for production of wartime goods. He opened a new factory and bribed officials to allow him to transport Jews to the new factory. Mm -hmm. He provided a safe environment for his workers, and he and his wife secretly provided extra food and medicine to keep them healthy. By the end of the war... He had spent his entire fortune to save about 1,300 Jews. Here was an ordinary man who rose above the madness of his countrymen and took action based on his conscience. Here's the proof that a person can do good even from the center of hatred and persecution. He worked from within the Nazi party to save human lives. He said, what is there to say? They're my friends. I would do it again over and over, for I hate cruelty and intolerance. Uh, wow, you know, powerful story. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it takes a big ego to do, to do that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I guess he was just, you know, he just did it because he didn't really like authority that much, or he didn't like this authority mm-hmm. that much. But, well, uh, he clearly had a conscience. I mean, he knew, you know, you can either obey law that's on paper written by someone else, which you know is wrong, or you can obey what's in your heart, what rings true. Mm-hmm. And I think we know instinctively, even as kids, what rings true, what's, what feels right and what feels wrong. I mean, that's not a Bible verse. That's just the story that, you know, Absolutely. is kind of accompanying. But I think yeah. uh, what it – what it does and 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 go back and I guess we'll go back and 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 we can or we don't need to but go back and look at the text but what I think mm-hmm. what we're getting from it is 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 more questions about yeah. like okay what are we going to do about this sure I mean I was in like I think I was uh I was at work and yeah some I was some customer said like uh they were looking outside and going, oh, I forget what day it was and they were like, well, why is the flag at half-mast today? Mm-hmm. And my response was, why is, isn't the flag at half-mast every day? Mm. <laughs> you mm. know, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, look, 
you know, and they were like, well, what do you mean? And then, they, and then I think they thought about it and went like, oh, okay, I got you. Yeah. And like, you know, and that's what I say a lot. He's like, the world is in crisis, people. Yeah. All day long. Yeah. All the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, there are signs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you really don't need them <laughs> sure, <laughs> to, sure. to know. Yeah. And uh, the more the more important thing is to kind of plan how you're going to address it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. are you going to be controlled by self motivation? Sure. If you are, you're like a Herod, and mm-hmm. your, your kingdom's fading. Right. You know. Yeah. You may be a hot dog today, mm-hmm. but it's going to bite you in the butt. Sure. Um, are you going to pay attention to mm-hmm. those little callings? Mm-hmm. Such as little prophets out there making a big noise or making a noise inside your head. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think that's what, you know, you don't you don't have to, you know, be a cruel, ugly mm-hmm. killer, you know, to make these kinds of decisions. Although in this story, it gives it lots of drama. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. But what you need to do is kind <clears throat> of ask yourself. Yeah. I mean, really address it. Yeah, you know what? What God? What does God want me to do here? You, you know, know what, what? What? What are these words for? If they're not for me, yeah, alone, and they're mm-hmm. not for you know, I mean, what are they for? I you know. know, I think about the transformation of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and you know, in in our faith podcast, we've been talking about how you may be Christian, Muslim, Jewish, agnostic, or atheist. Mm-hmm. The fascinating story about Dr. King is, you know, he was a Baptist preacher at the Dexter uh, Avenue Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. And he was very content with just having his church and having his little uh, radio station where he just talked about, you know, um, the glory of God. Uh, Wasn't really an activist at all. But he did go to India, and he learned under Mahatma Gandhi because he wanted to understand how Gandhi could, um, through nonviolence, liberate India... And um, help his people, you know, push back against the British and gain independence Mm -hmm. without resorting to violence. And he took that training. And, you know, Gandhi is not, you know, he he wasn't Christian. He he, I believe he was um, either Muslim or Hindi. I'm not sure. He was Hindi. He was Hindi, yeah. And um, but he believed in nonviolence. And he took that knowledge and he brought it and, you know, sort of made it into a sort of resistance which begat the Montgomery bus boycotts and uh, the march on Edmund Pettus Bridge, and we know the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. But that's a wonderful thing where he sees that there's something wrong. He could have been very comfortable by, you know, just doing what he usually does, which a lot of ministers were doing at the time. Um, but he says, no, I've got to act. I've got to act. And the fascinating thing about the story March 6, we deal with Herod and we deal with John the Baptist, both who are faced with the decisions Herod, I mean, sorry, John the Baptist sees something is going on. He could have kept his mouth shut and just, you know, do what he usually does. And he could have, you know, no history books would have never mentioned his name. But he doesn't. He says, hey, there's something going on in the government in this case. He he confronts that political corruption. Right. In the face. Yeah, in the face. Mm -hmm. And explains it, you know, Mm -hmm. and Herod's like. Man, takes takes balls to do that and, and admires him for it. Right. And is intrigued by, like, why would somebody mm-hmm. have this prophetic faith about something totally, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like off the wall. Yeah. And then and then tell me what to do. Right, exactly. You know, and, and so there was something, there was mm-hmm. something ballsy and, mm-hmm. uh, and Herod liked that guy. He, yeah. He had, 
you know, he thought like this guy's got chutzpah, you know. Yeah. It, but at the same time, it you know, it didn't please a lot of people. Right, you know. including his wife, including Herodias, him, yeah. who is who, and Herodias fascinates me too because you have a woman. I have no idea what choice she had in the matter of marrying Herod. I mean, maybe well, she she maybe she just didn't like Philip or yeah, well, the brother <laughs> guy at the time. But I mean, at, at this time, you know, there are times where um, oh, Deb is just uh, <laughs> she just IM'd us. Whoa. Morning, my body slept. Oh shoot, I can't. It's it it. Oh, here it is. My body slept late. I can do. Okay, that's that's something completely different. I'm not going to mention that. Yeah, we're not but live case, or anything. But she she says good morning to all of good us. Good morning. Good morning. But Herodias fascinates me because I'm not sure how much of a choice she had in the matter, but she clearly has a choice in telling Herod, "Hey, that dude is talking about me. That dude is putting my name out in the streets. You know, saying <laughs> that I'm married. You know, someone else. Yeah. Do something about it. Kill him." Yeah. You know, it, and and it reminds me how I mean, we if I put myself in the shoes of Herodias, I've been called out for doing something sinful or doing something bad. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you know, you let's say if you see me doing something wrong, you'll tell me about it. I can either react in anger, like "Hey, shut up, Craig," and, or I can say, "You know what? This is a brother. This is a friend of mine who's telling me that I need to change." You and I were talked about a good friend of ours. Who needs to change? Yeah. And you, you know, you talked about you helping this individual out. And finally, you were like, "Hey, listen, you need to be independent and stand on your own." And yeah. I'm sure that had to have been a very um, tough thing for you to do. I mean, yeah. you st- you still help the friend out, but you were telling this friend, "Listen, you've got to stand on your own. You've got to. I can't. You know, yeah, I can't be there 24 yeah. seven." Um, and so telling someone. So someone is, you know, John the Baptist is not only talking to Herod, but he's really talking, you know, to Herodias as well, basically saying, listen, what you guys are doing is wrong. If you want to get right in the eyes of God, yeah. you, need, you need to make this change. Yeah, you need to Her- have Her- a different plan here. Exactly. Herodias yeah. doesn't want to hear it. And we go through this all the time in our lives where we hear someone, constructive criticism, or let's say, uh, you know, someone's telling us, hey, change the way you live if you want to be right with God. We can either react in humbleness and say, okay, I do need to change. Or we can react in anger. And Herodias acts in anger. Well, I think she, she I, says, kill him. Yeah, I think we're all, well, yeah, like I said, I'd, I'd much rather, you know, take it down to a, a level that we understand. We're not going to chop off people's heads and kill people. Or, or, well, you know, sure. we're not going yeah. to marry our brothers and sisters. Maybe somebody is, but, yeah. but we're not, you but know, in our day to day lives. But, yeah. you know, like, Bring it back to a, bringing me back to a personal level. It's mm-hmm. like naturally, Reg. If you called me out on mm-hmm. the carpet, yeah, my first instinct would be defensiveness. Sure, just like, hey, man, shut up. Right. You know, you don't know. Right. You don't know everything, even though maybe you're like hitting it, you know, right <laughs> the nail or right on the head. Sure, sure. My first instinct would be like, you know, you know, hey, man, you know, back off. Right. You know, whatever. And uh, and I think that's something. And you're saying like, sure, sure. And I think. As we approach other people, I've had people, you know, really meaningful people mm-hmm. in my life saying, hey, Craig, man, you know, get this shit together. Yeah. You know, otherwise, you know, you know, there's going to be consequences. <clears throat> right. And, uh, and I, you know, my immediate thing is like, hey, man, screw off, you know, mm-hmm. let, accept me for who I am. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, this is me. Ha. Huh? So what? Mm-hmm. Deal. Mm-hmm. And, you know. None of these, none of these, really are pointing towards a solution, are they? Mm-hmm. But as we, as we mature in this thought, as we become 
all the different characters involved in that kind of scenario mm-hmm. or that mm-hmm. kind of idea. Yeah. I'm expecting defensiveness. Mm-hmm. When I come to you and I go like, hey, Reg, you know, got something to tell you, man. This, this, this shit don't fly right. or whatever. Right. I'm expecting mm-hmm. a certain amount of defensiveness. And sure. I have to be prepared to go like, not only do I mm-hmm. – am I coming through with this? Yeah. But I can deal with that too. Yep. I, I still love you anyways. Yep. And as we ask ourselves these things mm-hmm. in our relationship with God, exactly. we've got to understand like, you know – you know, God can be saying, like, Greg, don't do that thing. And mm-hmm. I can be saying, like, oh, damn, God, just accept me for who I am. Mm-hmm. And and there's a certain amount of God that's going, like, well, all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I do accept you. I do love you. Mm-hmm. I just tried to give you some helpful advice. Yeah. You know, and, and that and if we approach ourselves and other people mm-hmm. in that kind of loving way yeah we're going to we're going to make more progress yeah you know it's not just going to be mm-hmm. heads button sure you know? and i think about how why mark is i wondered why why is mark telling us the story right at this time because it really comes almost out of nowhere it does he talks about jesus sending out the 12s you know two by two mm-hmm. and giving them instructions mm-hmm. and then he gets into, you know, Herod talking about this and then goes into like a backstory as to what happened with, you know, John the Baptist and Herod. Yeah. It's as if Mark is saying, hey, we are the new John the Baptist, you know, just as John the Baptist was, you know, commanded by God to confront authority mm-hmm. and to deal with authority. We as disciples are commanded to do the exact same thing and will face resistance the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it has to do with. You know, sort of the 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 leap of faith mm-hmm. that the disciples were taking. I mean, right before this, like I said, you know, Christ said, "Go out two by two. Mm-hmm. I can't do this all by myself. You guys got to go out and like cast out demons and mm-hmm. and uh, and cure people." And they were like, yeah. like, like they've had a personal trainer, and now they're done. <laughs> right? You know, right? Yeah. yeah. I, you know, in a way, this story, mm-hmm. you know, that story is kind of mystical and like, oh god, I don't believe that. But here, crunched into all that, mm-hmm. into all these parables and miracles, and yeah so forth, mm-hmm. is this very politically real story. Yeah. Yeah, Herod was king. Yeah, he did all this stuff. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. he he did this really horrible thing to John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody knew this. <clears throat> you know, yeah. this was this was politics back yeah. then. Yeah, And I think what Mark is, you know, trying mm-hmm. to get us to do is, like, yeah. understand, like, you know, there's this political kind of world, and the Herods aren't going to last forever. And they didn't. Right. You know, Herod's going to come and go. Kingdoms come and go. Yes. Um, and here is a story about, like, the how ephemeral that world is mm-hmm. and how this new mystical world, without a leader, really, mm-hmm. you know, without a uh, – Without a without a you know a kingdom mm-hmm. with a with an idea of a kingdom, mm-hmm. you know, that's the real that's the real thing here. Yeah. That's the real thing, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's a lot to mm-hmm. it's a lot to swallow. So you have this like li- little political thing comparing uh-huh. the kingdom of faith, which is this thing that doesn't exist on paper mm-hmm. or you know are tangible, and then you have the the real kingdom of the kingdom of Galilee. Yeah. With its, you know, politics and 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 rulers and you know mm-hmm. people in control, people out of control, that kind of thing. So, yeah. so th- I think the whole focus of it is kind of that's kind of an important like mm-hmm. layout. 
Yeah. And then, and then, and then like what we're getting into now, mm-hmm. which is exactly, well, how do we make, you know, those kind of choices substantial to ourselves and not just for selfish reasons, but for, right, you know, for spiritual reasons, for reasons that make us better people, mm-hmm. for reasons that make the world a better place. Absolutely. You know? And, you know, I thought about, you know, there was a phrase that I was trying to think before we began the podcast, and I just remembered it, civil disobedience. Yes. yes. And I had, uh, I had, I, I talked with a woman named Gwen Loeb, who was on the Yay last night, and we talked a little bit about civil disobedience and the need to protest. You know, a lot of people, um, they get frustrated with protesters. They're like, oh, my God, you know, there are people marching in the streets and I can't get to work. And, you know, and <laughs> How inconvenient. Bar- Bart is striking <laughs> and the teachers are striking. And, you know, who are these, you know, March for Our Lives and, you know, who are these folks? Don't they have a life? You know, they have a job or yeah, something like that. Yeah, don't these people have jobs? Colin yeah. Kaepernick, you know, and <laughs> all of that stuff. And, you know, I think – the the need for civil disobedience um and like i said i you know i had talked earlier about we're not necessarily saying hey go out and fight against the government go out and fight against these big things and make a change in the world and the universe i mean if that's where you're motivated if if god or you know if something is pulling you towards that that's fine but it could be as simple as what's happening in your job or what's happening in your family let's say you have an, a dictatorial father and uh, you need to speak out against that. I remember when I had to, you know, I think I told the personal story where I hadn't talked to my mother in 12 years because uh, we had, you know, issues. And we did have a, uh, we reunited. But I had to sort of tell mom, hey, listen, I love you and I want you to be happy and I want to be happy. But we have to change our relationship. And that could be a bit of civil disobedience where you're telling someone, listen, the way that we're going right now, the way we've been, you know, functioning is not working. Things need to change. Yeah. Um, John the Baptist is doing that, you know, on, on sort of big level. And um, we talked about Majority Stoneman Douglas, and we've talked about, you know, the resistance, of, you know, the CIA director and, and what we see in the, in the world. Um, you know, you're a part of that. And uh, you may not be motivated by being, you know, like a, a passive, uh, you know, to go out on the streets. But there'll be a time in your life where, whether it's God, um, you know, we try to make this faith podcast, you know, bigger than, uh, you know, one particular faith. But something inside of you, something inside of you will will scream out to you, hey, you need to say something about this, whatever the this is. Well, your job, your home. The death of John, you know, makes us like stare. Yes. I mean, this in this story makes us stare at at the corruption, Mm -hmm. you know, the lust. Power, yes, and we're staring at it. Uh, I don't know. Just turn on the damn news. That's absolutely. We're staring at, it. but and we think like, oh my god, you know, mm-hmm. I don't need this story. I, I live this story. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the story of our political life right now. Sure, but the but what we need to do, mm-hmm. and I think what's compelling us to do is mm-hmm. like in your job, yes, in your your congregation, yes, in in your group of of whatever mm-hmm. group you. You feel, you know, involved with, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, they're they're filled these with people who have who have hidden, mm-hmm. you know, hidden pain. Yeah, and you know, who are dealing with, you know, their own private texts of mm-hmm. of terrors and fears mm-hmm. and death and and busted up relationships and abuse mm-hmm. and you don't know they're just 
they're just there. But yeah. it could be, it, you know, and and we should at times, especially in this story, you know, in in, in these times, mm-hmm. you know, call forth what is hidden in plain sight, and and try to add some life to it. Yeah, try to add some, try to have, try to help these people, mm-hmm. and and it could be. It, you know, it could be right there in front of you. Yeah. But these people, they, they hide, you know, they'll hide this. Yes. They'll hide this within themselves. Yes. And it's and it's in these moments, mm-hmm. you know, and, and in these particular moments that we can be part of what what we call graceful. Absolutely. You know, we can be a part of that. Yeah. And we can share that, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it could be accepted mm-hmm. or it could be rejected. Yeah. But – but the whole point of it mm-hmm. is to start, you know, really gaze at that, you know, I, 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 not just at the the big horrible pol- political corrupt picture, which you probably can't do anything about by yourself, <coughs> but at the whole, co- but at people, you know, the people who like mm-hmm. are kind of isolated or fearful themselves. Mm-hmm. Open yourself up to those folks. Yeah, man, that if that doesn't start a movement. I don't know what does. Yeah. And when I think about, when I read the Bible, when anyone reads the Bible, we, we are attracted to the miracles. Oh, you know, he walked on water. He, uh, he raised the dead. This, that, and the other. When I think about modern miracles, I think about um, people gathering together from different walks of life, uh, different races, different cultures, for one particular cause. Like we've been talking about races, um, R-A-I-C-E-S, Texas. Right. Uh, the um, the the organization that uh, that takes money and provides um, legal help and also bail money for uh, for those uh, who are crossing the border and who are being detained. Millions of people have given to races, you know, and they're not all Latino. You know, they are Asian, they're black, they're white. You know, I've given money. Um, uh, yeah, I know lots of people. Yeah. Have. When I think about that, when I think about a group of people coming together for one particular cause, even if it's not your cause, if you haven't been affected by it, that's a miracle. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when we say, you know, let's say if you are resisting or you're a conscious or you're, you're enacting civil disobedience and you're calling, you're, you're pointing to power and saying, hey, you need to change, that in itself is a miracle. And when, when things change and when I think about the March on Washington um, – and everything that happened in the civil rights movement, that's sort of – that's I, – I look at that as a miracle, how it all happened and, you know, the fact that Kennedy was there and the Supreme Court just happened to be, you know, liberal and, you know, and voted on Brown v. Board of Education. All of that happened within, you know, a very short period of time. Um, miracles happen, but they're not just going to happen by just, you know, being docile yeah, and just yeah, sitting – yeah. You have to risk it. I mean, you know, Absolutely. We, you guys talk to – few weeks ago about the the woman who touched the hem of that's right <laughs> of, of christ's garment yeah and he turned around and, you know and she was like i know if i just do this if i just yes i right. just want this to happen i want i want a good thing to happen yes i want i want to believe in good yes and i feel like if i do this thing i might just work mm-hmm. you know and uh then you know she's healed mm-hmm. and uh christ turns around and is like who did this and mm-hmm. she's like you know I, I did i confess and he goes yeah. like you did it, didn't you? Your faith did it. Yes. You know, you you made this happen. He totally put it on her, mm-hmm. and all and and all the kudos for it. Yes. You know, even though we all know, like, mm-hmm. but she <laughs> she she was the one to reach out. She was the one to reach out, but but 
he wanted to kind of like say like look you know it's got to come from within you yes you know and uh, and it will be you mm-hmm. know it will be exemplified mm-hmm. you know in, in your faith you know good things do come from your own will mm-hmm. and like I was saying earlier we all are looking for that second chance to mm-hmm. risk yeah to, to do the messy part to do the uncomfortable part mm-hmm. it will come but. You know, you've got you've got to take that leap because you can sit there and make the simple, you know, easy thing. Oh, I'm not going to mess with this. Mm-hmm. This is this is this this has <coughs> no. This is not going to benefit me whatsoever. Yeah. You know, sooner or later you're going to have to come around to the fact that we've got mm-hmm. it's. You know, we've got to have this interconnectedness. Mm-hmm. Otherwise. It's just not going to be worth it. Yeah. It's not going to be worth it. Here's a quick story. A, a friend of mine um, had a very rough um, childhood with with his dad, and he's seen his dad yelling his, yell at his mom, his um, the guy's wife, for a long time. And for a long time, he was just too afraid to say anything to his father. Finally, one day, he woke up with courage to say, listen, Dad, you need to stop what you're doing. And he thought the dad was going to hit him, but, you know, the dad just walked away. And um, it, it it changed all to the relationship between him and his father, and that was the day he told me that he became a man, that he, you know, dealt with that resistance. I could relate to that. Yeah. Yeah, I could relate to that. I'm sure a lot of people can. Yeah. 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 And yeah. that's you know when you think about you know um, civil disobedience and uh, just uh, you know confronting power, whatever that power is. And saying, listen, I don't care what's on a piece of paper or, you know, what was legislated. This is this is what's right. Well. And it takes courage I to do it. I don't know. We may cut this short, Rich. I think <laughs> well, I think we're, we're hit, we've, um, yeah, we've got five minutes left uh, for so the hour I'm, mark. Yeah, I just wanted to close mm-hmm. um, with one simple thing. Sure. Simple thing. Just I don't know where I where this came from, but uh, let me see. Can I can I close with it? I just want to close in a real simple prayer. Sure. If that's all right. No, it's fine. Because I want everybody to kind of just like, you know, they're going to read this story or think about this story, and, mm-hmm. I, and uh, don't brood on it too much. Mm-hmm. It's a gory little tale, but I just want you to know. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lead the prayer now. Sure. But, uh, dear Lord, there's there's so many words you and and so many inspirations you've given, you know, over. You know, these centuries, these millennia, and uh, a couple of phrases uh, or a couple of uh, passages from the Quran come to mind. I just want to tell everybody out there, for every soul, there's a guardian watching it. And with every hardship, there is ease. And I want to thank you, because I know that to be true. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Now, th- yeah, that that is absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I've been reading the Quran. It's a lot more poetic than the Bible, <laughs> though it's a little bit. Yeah, I got I got to get into it too. It's kind of fun. Yeah, and it's kind of it's, you have to approach it in a weird kind of way because it's kind of like mm-hmm. you have to start in the middle. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, but I'm just starting. So, like, just like you thought you thought I was a newbie to the Bible. Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> newbie to the Quran. Really newbie newbie. Yeah. But it's going to be fun. It's got, hopefully it's yeah. open more discussion. Yeah. And, and invite, I wanna, I, yeah, I want to write. I want to get into the Talmud as and well, a, and, wanna, uh, and invite more people, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of like enter this idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. 
All right. Well, faith is a podcast open to anyone. You may not believe it all. You may be Muslim, Jewish, agnostic, or atheist. You may have had a horrible experience in the church, which have made you turn your back to God. You can still have faith. We ask that you listen to this podcast, even challenge us on Facebook or SoundCloud. I'm on Instagram and on um, Twitter. You can find me, Reg Space Clay, uh, and share what you feel. Don't feel alienated because we speak of what we believe. The Bible has been around for thousands of years, and even now, in the age of the Internet and social media and great technology, it still has a message for all of us. You can listen to this podcast. Of course, you're listening to it now, but you can tell your friends on the Apple Podcast app or on iTunes. Just open up your iTunes app, click on Store, go to the search engine on the upper right-hand side, and search for You Gotta Have Faith, and you will find us. If you use Android, download SoundCloud or just go on SoundCloud.com, search for us, and you'll find us. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week, everyone, and God bless each and every one of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.